Okay, y'all. Uh, one other little thing I want to take care of. Uh, as y'all know, uh, I was not here last weekend, and Brother Larry come, come up here, uh, come over here and, and filled in, and, and from what I understand, did a good job for y'all and brought the word, and uh, I called him uh, Monday or two. I can't remember when I called him. It was after, and he uh, he said everything seemed to go well, and uh, I, I got some feedback coming up. But he said he said he didn't preach very long. He was a little bit a little bit worried about that. And I said, well, don't worry about that because I got ways of making up the time. <laughs> so it won't be today. I can. I'm, I'm, hopefully, it won't be today. I know I told him I said don't be don't be setting up so bad examples for me when I get back over here <laughs> I appreciate you Larry for doing that and he's ready to do it again today but I told him I needed to be up here with y'all Matthew chapter 16 I was in eighth grade uh, I was a lot smaller <laughs> and uh, I was I wasn't the smallest kid on the football team but I wasn't the biggest kid on the football team I played free safety I played all special teams I played everything but offense and that's because I couldn't understand back I would be and what hole I was supposed to run through so they didn't give me the ball my job was to tackle anybody that had the ball or get the ball if it was thrown in the air by the other team. That was my job. And there was one, there was one football game that we went to uh, in Indianapolis. We were playing another team, and it was raining all night. And, and that morning we got there, and this other team had a football field for some reason was in the bottom of a ditch. <laughs> Every, everything outside that football field was uphill. So we pretty much played in the swamp that day, which when you're playing football, that's just part of the game, right? You just plan on being dirty. So I'm on the kickoff team, and we were kicked off. We were kicking off the ball to the other team to start the game, and I, I really didn't understand the game. I just was good at doing what I was told back, at, well, at least on the football field. And I was told to go tackle the dude with the ball. So we kicked off. And I'm, I just run, I watch the ball, and I seen the guy catch the ball, and I'm running as hard as I could run in those days, which was really pretty fast. And I got my eyes focused on this dude with the ball, and I was getting closer and closer to him, and I was just about to lay that dude down. And some truck ran me over. <laughs> I mean, I've never in my life and to this day been hit so hard by anything. Then that day when I got hit, by, I don't even know which person it was on the other team. I'm sure I hope it wasn't nobody on my team, but I I got hit, y'all. I was like face down in the mud, and my ears were ringing a little bit. And I don't think I passed out, but it hurt. And that was the first time ever when I played football that I've been hit that hard. And it didn't really scare me. I just stood up. And, of course, they have the ball. And I was ran to the sidelines like we had the ball because I'm supposed to play defense. 
So I'm supposed to stay on the field, but I ran to the sideline, and I remember the coach, he comes running over to me, and he grabs me by the shoulder pads because that's how coaches do. They don't, they're not, they're not going to hug you or nothing. <laughs> he grabs him shoulder pads, and he goes, what team do you play for? And I, was, I told him, like, right away, I was like, yeah, I play for you guys. And he was like, well, get on the field then. <laughs> I don't, I, I t- it wasn't until I was working on this message this morning that I realized why he was asking me what team I was playing for. Because it wasn't because I was running off the field. He was checking to see if I was still here. He was like, okay, do you have your wits about you? Do you understand what's happening? Are you? He was trying to see if I was knocked out. That's how hard I got hit. He come up, what team do you play for? And I just told him right away. So apparently that was good enough. He didn't ask me any more questions. Just sent me back on the field. And I'm telling you, it was three or four plays before I could really see everything. <laughs> and it was... It was it was a pretty uh, eye opening sort. I guess I guess it's eye closing situation, but I'll never forget that play. I don't even remember the rest of the game. To this day, I remember how hard I got hit and how it took me a minute to get my bearings and figure out to think clearly. I want to read to you today uh, from Matthew chapter sixteen. It's in. Luke and, and, and Mark also, this time that Jesus was spending with his disciples. And he's about, to, he's about to talk to them about his upcoming death. Okay? And we're, we're, we're trying to move into uh, Easter time, getting prepared to celebrate our Lord's resurrection, as we do every year according to our calendars, right? Which I want to remind you that that's what we should be celebrating every day of our lives the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, which saves us all by faith, repentance, baptism, forgiveness of sin, and such. So here he is, Jesus, talking to his disciples, and he's teaching them some things. And he says this in verse 13 of chapter 16 of Matthew. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people say the Son of Man is? Excuse me, who do, you, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then 15 says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Well, verse 16, Simon Peter chimes in as usual and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for, the, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the key, uh, the key of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned them in verse 20, Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. This is all just before he predicts his death. He tells them he's going to die. Remember that story? He says, look, soon I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And guess what Peter does? Right after he says, you're the Christ, he goes off and says, they're going to have to kill me first before they ever get to you. And then Jesus said, get behind me. Now, if any of you have hair on the back of your neck, it should be standing up right about now. 
Because if, just think, put yourself in Peter's shoes. When, if, if, if Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, to, to Peter, how must he have felt when he, first he got the first question right, who do you say I am? And then immediately answers the second question or the second interaction wrong. Right? Right. There's two things I want to point out today. Who do, who do people say that Jesus is? And who do you say Jesus is? Because if you don't know who Jesus is, or if your understanding of who Jesus really is, is not according to who he really is, according to the word of God, then Easter means nothing to you. Salvation means nothing if you don't know Jesus. If you're not aware, I think it's, I think it's um, maybe it's our culture, maybe it's our age, our time of, of our, our generations. Maybe, I don't know what it is. It just seems like a lot of people in the world, when Easter and Christmas come around, it's just part of the mill. It's part of the just, here's what we're doing now, and we'll move on after it's over, and we'll do something else next. And if we're going to call ourselves believers, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, people who are trying to be like Christ, then we have to know who Jesus is. I don't believe you can be saved without knowing who Jesus is. Not possible. Now, you might not have a deep understanding <laughs> of this man who is God and Jesus, who is Lord and Savior, who is the ultimate sacrifice, the final sacrifice, the one who willingly put himself on the cross and shed his precious innocent blood for the sake of those of us who have sinned. Right? I, I got to thinking about this as, uh, as I was praying about it and working through the scripture and it's like the, an the questions are answered, right? Who, who do people say the Son of Man is right there in verse 13? He's like looking at the disciples. Hey, look at all these people around here. Who do they say I am? Well, their answer was John the Baptist. They, some of them thought that Jesus was actually John the Baptist resurrected or come back from the dead somehow. They, they thought for some reason they were thinking that. And then some of them thought maybe he's Elijah or Jeremiah or some other prophet. That's, what, that's the answer that they gave. And they weren't wrong. He's like, hey, who do all these people think I am? Well, some of those people over there think this, and some think that, some think that. But in those days, the everyday people, they loved Jesus. Even though they didn't really understand him completely, they loved him because they understood that he had the authority of God. They, under, they understood that he spoke the words of God when he spoke about the kingdom of God, and he walked around performing miracles. It's kind of hard to deny that he's just, a, you know, he's, not, he's more than a man, that he's God in the flesh. You ever notice the hardest things that are, it's the things that are hardest to deny seem to be the things that are most denied? Right? I don't, I don't understand that, except for the fact that it's just stubbornness, flat stubbornness on all of our parts. Right? I could be totally wrong about tofu. But I'm adamantly saying it's not food and you shouldn't eat it. 
That's, that's as simple as it gets. But see, you know, some people reject Jesus just like that. Without any logic, any intellect, any kind of study, any consideration about anything else other than the fact that they don't want it to be true. Isn't that the world we live in? Isn't that the world that all of these believers were living in? The disciples. Jesus himself came into a world where they weren't ready for Jesus, for the Messiah. They weren't ready for God to be in their presence. They weren't ready because they didn't want it. Because it interfered with their life. It is possible to simply misunderstand who Jesus is and unable to see what God is revealing to all of us. How many of y'all believe that God reveals himself to everybody? God does not hide himself from anyone. So why is it that people can't see him? Why is it that people don't see what God does in their life or in the lives of others? They're either not looking or they don't want to see. That's the only answer. It has nothing to do with anything else other than you're, 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 you're not looking for the truth or you don't want the truth. And I think they both go together because usually if I don't want something, I don't go looking for it. And if I really want something, I'll do everything I can do to get it and find it. Some today try to fit Jesus into their comfort zone or their own reality. You, you met people that way. Here's the troubling thing. There's sometimes believers, people that are worshiping in a church just like this, that are trying to fit Jesus into their comfort zone, changing him around to be some other kind of Jesus that doesn't exist. And if we're trying to do that, we're either, we're, we're, we're either denying who Jesus is or we're not understanding or not, be, not being able to accept who he is. For example, some people have a patriotic Jesus all wrapped up in the American flag or some other nation's flag, which insinuates that everything that's American is blessed. And I hope that we all know that that's not true. Now, I love America. Don't, don't be shooting me down right now. I love this country. I'll, I'll do whatever i got to do to protect the freedoms we have within the limits that God has given me as a Christian man. But Jesus didn't die just for Americans. He died for the whole world. It's not about the United States of America. Some people have made Jesus into that kind of a Jesus. What about these politically conservative Jesus? The one who is against budget increases, standing for family values and owning firearms. Now, I don't think there's much wrong with any of those things. However, that's not what Jesus is all about only, is it? Our political views are not what the kingdom of God is about. Oh, how about the, the, the political liberal Jesus? Suspicious of Wall Street and even Walmart, yet passionate about being tolerant and green. Reducing the carbon footprint. Now, here's, how, here's where I'm just going to talk. I don't talk about politics when I'm preaching because that's not what I'm here to do. I'm talking about Jesus, the real Jesus. I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible, my Savior and your Savior. And I think we should be good stewards of what God created and allowed us to have. But there's no way on God's earth 
any or all of his creation can destroy what he created. All we can do is make it a bad place to live. That's where I stand. Jesus is the same no matter which way we respond to that. So we can't make him a green Jesus. How about the open-minded Jesus? Some people want Jesus to be open-minded, right? Some people want Jesus, uh, he's the one who loves everybody all the time, no matter what, except for the people who aren't as open-minded as him. Doesn't work, does it? If Jesus is Lord and Savior of all, then you can't make your own Jesus because it disqualifies him from everybody else. We have to take the Jesus of the Bible. And he's going to be your Lord and Savior or he's not. Whether you like it or not. Now, if it makes you comfortable to create your own Jesus and you can live a happy life that way, then uh, I pray that you realize something different. But in the end, you'll, be, you'll understand what's happening. You'll understand the difference. How about the touchdown Jesus? This is the Jesus... <laughs> who helps athletes run faster and jump higher. Except for the non-Christian athletes, they don't, they don't get any response. It, 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 it cracks me up. Anytime there's a World Series or a uh, Super Bowl or some hockey tournament thing going on, anytime there's a big game, do you know that there are Christians on both sides of each team praying to the same God that their team would win? That's not Jesus, y'all. Then there's the prosperity Jesus. The one, the Jesus who encourages us to be happy at all costs. You ever heard of humanism? If you don't know what humanism is, it's the pursuit of happiness, basically. It's, it's, it's about, humanism is whatever it takes to make me happy. That's, that's the philosophy of life, whatever makes me happy. And anytime we make up some other Jesus or worship some other God or do something that puts uh, whatever that is above God to make us happy, that's our religion. And if we have a Jesus that will teach us to do those things, including keeping up with the neighbors, always having to have the latest, greatest, right? My truck's bigger than your truck. My golf club hits further than your golf club. And so on and so forth. Because it makes us happy. And what I found with people that pursue that kind of happiness, they never find true happiness. They never find joy. It's always one, they're missing something else. And they're missing something else. Meanwhile, the debt keeps climbing higher and higher. And that doesn't honor God. Because you don't have the money to pay for it. These are what, this is what people do. This is, how, this is what people do. They create this Jesus so that they can live the life they want to live and have the world and have their Jesus too. And let, let me make it clear that when I say this is what people do, sometimes it's what we do. Sometimes it's what the church does. And we're supposed to be different than that. We're supposed to be other than that. We're supposed to worship and surrender to the real Jesus. The Jesus that Peter said who he is. Right? Because he says, okay, let's, let's stop talking about what everybody else says about me. What do you say? 
say, look, I, I can see them now. I can see them. They're sitting somewhere in the wilderness because that's what they do. Or they're sitting on the side of the road somewhere. And he looks them dead in the eye. You, you ever had somebody in your life that you respected so much and every time they look you in the eye, you take every word they say as serious as you can take it because you trust them? Now imagine Jesus, your Savior, looking you dead in the eye and saying, who do you say I am? What's your answer? What do you know about me? I'd be afraid to answer that question, right? Not because I wouldn't know, right? But I'm in the presence of who I believe is the Christ, if I'm Peter. Maybe the rest of the guys thought the same thing, but they don't. Peter seems to be the only one. He's the kid who answers the question without raising his hand. That's who, that's who Peter was. Got him in trouble most of the time. But he, he was passionate about Jesus. He left his whole life to follow this Jesus. And he saw Jesus teach and preach and do miracles. He must be the Christ. There's no one like him. I wish I could be in Peter's shoes in that moment. There's no better place to be than in Peter's shoes in that moment. Because Peter got to look at him. Well, okay, here's Samuel. Jesus. Peter, he got to look at Jesus in the, in the eye. He looked at Jesus eye to eye. And he says this. You're the Christ. I wonder if he said it just like that. Like it was a matter of fact. Well, you're the Christ. Who else would you be? Or I wonder if he said, like, a, you know, I noticed a lot of people in, in society today, it seems like, it seems like nobody's ever confident in giving an answer to any question. They always have to answer it like they're asking a question. Like, you know, Peter would have said, uh, you're the Christ? Is that right? <laughs> it, it seems like it happens a lot. I don't know how he said it. All I know is he was right. And he's, you can, you can never be more right about anything in your life when that's the answer to the question when, that Jesus asked, who am I? I, I wonder if Peter answering that question the way he did kind of blew the head up a little bit, right? He's like, yep, I know who Jesus is. And then he starts talking about being killed, and he's like, no, nope, that ain't happening. Not on my watch. They're going to have to get through me before they get to you. And then he got put back in his place, right? Because that's how we have to be. That's how we are. Who do you say Jesus is? If Jesus were here today looking you in the eye, would your answer be the same as that of Peter's answer in this moment? I mean, really, would it be that? Because the only way for it to be that is if we understand who the Christ is. You can say it's, you're the Christ because that's what the Bible says, right? I anybody can say that. You know, anybody can say, uh, well, he's the Savior, or he's the Christ, or he's the Messiah, because all those words are in this Bible. Anybody who reads this Bible will say, at least they'll say, well, the Bible says he's this or that. But that's not the question that Jesus is asking, is it? Jesus is not asking you what the Bible says. He wasn't asking the disciples uh, 
what any of the other disciples told them about me. They were, he was asking them, who do you say I am? This is the most important question in this entire Bible for all of us. This is the most important question you will ever be asked in your entire life. And I can say that as a fact because I understand and know this gospel. There will never be another question that you have to answer, yes or no, that's more important than this one. And let me tell you something, I've stood, I've stood in line at the grocery store trying to decide which candy bar I want to buy, and I spent 15 minutes making that decision. And some people are just, when they say, when I say, who, who do you believe Jesus is? Oh, he's the Christ, and then move on with their life. Can we really answer it that quickly? Have we really thought about it that thoroughly to where we can truly answer the question in a way that brings salvation. I see people on, on, on social media all the time. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I gotta, I'm, on a, I'm in a couple of car clubs on, on social media just because I like to hear what other people are doing with their cars and stuff. And it's like every time they got to buy a part, they go on there and say, should I buy this part or that part or this part? And I, I just want to get on there and say, just go to the store and buy something. It's your car. Make your decision. It's not wrong that they do that. I'm just like, okay. Sometimes we spend time thinking about, okay, what am I going to do for my wife on Valentine's Day or for anniversary? You, you'd probably better spend some time, gentlemen, working that out ahead of time. Put some thought into it. This last-minute gift stuff doesn't work. This <laughs> if, you, if you don't think, you could spend a whole year thinking about it, and if, you don't, if, if it doesn't look like there's any thought into it, it's not going to mean anything to her. You could get the worst gift ever, but if you put all your heart into it, it'll mean the world to her. We're talking about our Savior, Lord. You know what? Our Lord and Savior, we're talking about him. So when he asks you, who do you say I am, are you really thinking about the answer to that question? Or are you just saying, oh, he's Jesus? Or, 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 oh, he's Christ? Or he's Messiah? You know, most people in our world today don't even know what the word Messiah means. That's an Old Testament word. Right? It's, it, or they, they might not even know why we even need, would need a Savior. Until you realize you're a sinner, you don't need a Savior. Until you realize this word is, this Bible is the word of God, none of it means anything to you. That's why all of the other people, who do the people say I am, that's why they got the answer wrong. Because they're relying on their intellect. And they're relying on what others told them. And if, you, if any of you try to stand before God and say, answer this question, who do you say Jesus is? And you're saying, well, the preacher said he's Christ. That's not the right answer. God doesn't want to know what the preacher said. He already knows what this preacher said. He wants to know who you say. You, see, you, you understand the, the importance of the question. The core of the question is you and what you believe. Not what you guess, not what you think, 
what you know to be true in your heart about who Jesus is. Because every single one of us is leaving this world. You hear me? Every single person is leaving this world at some point. And you will have to answer this question. Here's, here's, the, here's the part that people don't want to receive. If you try not to answer this question, you've answered the question. By dis, you know, a lot of people just try to dismiss or deflect the question. Some people say that Jesus, like, traveled to India and was enlightened about truth and came back, and that's why he says what he says. And that's not true. It, we make up all kinds of things that seem to make sense to prove what we don't want to be true because if it's true, it disrupts who we are and what we have. It means we have to change. See, the idea today in our world is that if you believe something, it excludes other ideas and therefore it's not good. So you just don't believe anything. That's, the, that's where we live right now with people in the world. We can't offend anybody, so it's offensive to believe in anything. It doesn't matter what it is. So those of us who believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that's the absolute truth, then, whoa, we've offended everybody else. I'm just going to say it right now. I, I, I refuse to forfeit my salvation for the sake of not offending someone else. Because somebody might get offended what, about what I believe. And if they would stop and realize or stop and think or use some uh, logic maybe or even some open-mindedness some consideration just think about it they might they just might meet Jesus in a real way and they might themselves come to the same conclusion that Jesus really is the Christ he really is the savior of the world he really is the son of God who died on the cross and was resurrected for the sake of man who have sinned against the holy God isn't that what Easter is all about? I mean, if Jesus is not the Christ, then who cares if he even came, to, came back to life or not from the dead? It doesn't mean anything if he's not the Christ. It doesn't mean anything if he's not God in the flesh. Because his blood didn't mean nothing for our sins. It seems like for, for the sinner, for the unrepentant sinner, it seems, that, seems like the easy way out is just dismiss us oh, not true. The problem with the dismissal, the, the problem with the, the, the simple dismissing that it's not true because you don't want it to be true, is that it leaves the question, okay, why is it not true? Why? If you don't want it to be true, if you're saying it's not true, then tell me why. And I challenge any person who thinks that Jesus is not the Christ to open-mindedly and open-hearted look into the Word of God and look at anything else in this world throughout history and prove to me that he's not the Christ. And I'm pretty confident that if you try that, you will end up meeting him, and then you'll agree with me that he is the Christ. And then we'll praise the Lord together. Right? And that's the way it works, y'all. I'm not afraid of anybody challenging Jesus as the Christ, because he is the Christ. I'm actually saddened when people reject the reality of his lordship. I'm bothered by that, because they're lost. There's two questions, y'all. Who do the people say I am, and who do you say I am? 
And if your, if, your, if your answer to the question, who do you say he is, is the same as who the people say he is, you're probably lost. You don't know Jesus. It's a universal question, and everybody must answer it. It's, a, it's the most significant question you'll ever be asked. It's the foundation of who we are. It's the foundation of the world. It's the foundation of creation, Christ. Study the book of Colossians and you'll figure that out. But the most important thing about this question that Jesus is asking these disciples is it's a personal question. Jesus wasn't asking the disciples if, he, if they read the, the newspaper that morning. He wasn't asking them, <coughs> what do you think about my life? What do you think about my hair, my shoes? He's not asking a question like that. He's asking a question about himself as Lord, the Messiah. He's asking a question about the kingdom of God and the holy God, the creator God who sent Jesus to do what Jesus did. He's asking a question about this God who loved the world so much that he would send this Jesus. Right? The question is, what do you think about God's love? Here's, this is God's love. What do you think? How do you see it? Tell me what you see. What we do here on Sundays, what you do every day of your life as a witness to the kingdom of God, is way bigger than anything in your life that you think is important. And there's some important things in life, isn't it? There's a lot of important things. Look around the room. There's a, you guys are all important to me. Every one of you. But the most important thing to me is Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, the kingdom of God that I get to be invited into, that I don't deserve to be a part of the hope and the joy that comes from that. See, one of, the, one of the greatest things about being saved, about saying that Jesus is the Christ, repenting of being a sinner, being baptized for the forgiveness of my sins so that I can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, one of the greatest things about that is I don't have to worry about the answer to that question anymore because I know. I've never been sure about anything more in my life about anything more in my life. I don't think, I, I'm pretty sure I'll never be sure about anything as much as I'm sure about Jesus. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because that's what it takes to be saved. You don't have to, I don't even, we don't understand it 100%, how Jesus can be man and God at the same time. How Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection can even happen aside from God and his great power, Right? All we have to do is submit to our Lord. Say, you know what? I don't have to question God. You know? I don't, why do I have to question God about everything? It's there. Salvation is there. The way out of sin is there. The problem is solved. The problem that you and I created is solved. The separation between us and God, His holiness, has been repaired. Only if you accept it, only if you say, 
Jesus is the Christ. I don't mean say it. Words don't mean anything. You know it. And if you know it, you'll say it. And if you know it and then you say it, you'll act on it, which means you'll repent. You'll stop living in your own kingdom, building your own kingdom. Stop living against God as an enemy. That's what repentance is. The Bible tells us that if, we, if we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't even have to understand totally why God set it up this way. Why he said to be immersed as a believer in water completely. Because that's what we do. We do that because that's what the Bible says. And I said this a hundred times. You probably heard me before. If God said to go over there, stand on your head and chew bubble gum and count backwards from a hundred in Spanish, you can be saved. That's what we would be doing in this church. He didn't say it that way. He said to be immersed. Because it's a symbol of the dead man being buried, being brought back to life. Isn't that great, y'all? That's our Jesus. That's our Savior. That's who he is. That's who we celebrate on Easter. We're not only celebrating him, we're not only celebrating his resurrection, we're celebrating our own resurrection. Because we're, we're hopeless without Jesus. And if we think we can live in this world and just reject this truth about Jesus and, and then die, leave this world, and then we're going to be okay, no. You're not going to be okay. Everybody's going to live forever. Somebody, some of us are going to live with God for eternity, and some of us are going to live in hell for eternity. Separation from God. Total separation. Never again to talk to him. Never again will he hear you. Not because he doesn't love you, but because you didn't know the answer to this question. That's the gospel. Isn't it great? <laughs> I love y'all. I know the Lord loves y'all. Jesus obviously loves us all. I'm gonna, we're going to sing. Y'all ready to sing? We're going to sing together. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident this morning that y'all have heard the gospel. Pretty confident that you know what to do if you believe that Jesus is the Christ. Pretty confident that if you haven't done it, you're in trouble. If you have done it, we have reason to praise God and sing like we're saved. Y'all ready to sing? Let's stand together and sing.